Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Saturday, July 6th, although if I'm honest with myself and with you guys, um, you're probably not hearing this until Sunday, July 7th. I just, you know, it's I'm at home. I have bad internet. You know, someday my dream is to have a giant studio and the, the, the fastest internet money can buy. It's just not going to happen today. Um, but we have a huge show. I'm very excited. I will also acknowledge if you're not watching, if you're watching on YouTube, you get a special treat. Um, <laughs> my most insecure thing today is my hair. It's been a weird, I've tried to fix my hair, make it look different. I, I just can't, it just is weird, a curly mess. Um, so, hey, trolls, if you're out there, you want to make fun of me, make fun of my hair. It's open season. Um, please do so. Uh, if you're audio only, you're, you're, congratulations, you found the optimal way to listen to the show today. Um, you know, we woke up today in a basically entirely different NBA. I, I was very excited by the news last night. Um, also, I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. Now, for me, I know the biggest story of the day. I know exactly what it is. I think you do too. And I want to start with that. Kawhi Leonard chose to join the LA Clippers. And he made a big decision in free agency. And notice what I said. I did not say the LA Lakers. Kawhi Leonard chose to join the other team in Los Angeles, the LA Clippers. And uh, on one hand, it's awesome, right? It's, it's ah, oh, as a fan of basketball, we, we have basically a whole new NBA all around. And there are so many teams that are now contenders. And for the first time in a long, long time, I have no idea who is going to win the NBA championship this year or even who, what two teams are going to play for it. I, I don't know. That's really cool. And we'll get to the Clippers moves in a minute. The Clippers, they first they signed Kawhi Leonard. They also traded for Paul George. But I have to say this right off the bat. I think that Kawhi Leonard should have joined the LA Lakers. I, I just, I'm dumbfounded. I don't fully understand. Um, you know, people will say that Kawhi did not want to get overshadowed by LeBron James with the Lakers. And sure, I understand it. Like LeBron is the son. And everything around him gets caught up in his orbit. And LeBron shines really, really bright. All the attention, all the spotlight, everything, it all goes to LeBron. I get that. I understand that. But if Kawhi was trying to avoid being overshadowed, he made a flaw in judgment. Because LA, the city of Los Angeles, is within LeBron James's orbit. When it comes to basketball... Sorry, right now, L.A. is LeBron's town. Now, now I envision a situation down the road where the Lakers and the Clippers are playing each other in the Western Conference Final. The battle for L.A. I can see it right now. Headlines everywhere. People are very excited. It reminds me of that movie a couple years ago. I think there was like an alien movie called Battle for L.A. Um, But we the fans win. I'm very excited. Like Basketball fans, people like me who love drama, it couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Two stars, maybe at two and a half to three, because you know the, the Lakers have LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They added Boogie Cousins. And the Clippers have two all-stars. The Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and now Paul George. This is fantastic television. So great for us. But my fear is that Kawhi Leonard is going to lose that matchup. The battle for LA, I, I don't know that Kawhi Leonard can win that. I don't think he can. I think the Lakers are the best team in Los Angeles. And today, today I I think 
LeBron James woke up today and found that learned the news of Kawhi Leonard not joining his team and woke up unhappy and, and probably bothered and angry and felt slighted a little bit. Uh, apparently, Magic Johnson leaked out some of the details he was having in conversation with Kawhi Leonard's team. And there are reports that that cost the Lakers chances of getting Kawhi. Kawhi Leonard said, no leaks. Stuff did leak out from the Lakers camp. And Kawhi said, all right, I'm done. You don't get me. No Kawhi. Magic Johnson leaked information. Kawhi said, I'm not dealing with that. I'm out. And by the way, it's so dumb. Either Magic Johnson is an idiot because he's not an employee of the Lakers at all, who's just giving away confidential information and costing his former franchise, or Magic Johnson is spiteful because he's no longer a member of the Lakers and intentionally sabotaging them. Either way, it's not good. Magic Johnson being involved in, in the Kawhi Leonard situation is completely weird and wrong and dumb, and it looks like he cost the Lakers a, a good opportunity to get Kawhi Leonard. Because I guarantee, you and I know, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James were texting each other. They were talking to each other. That's just, that is how athletes work. I talk to rival athletes at other schools all the time. It's how it works in life. And, and I, I can tell you, man, I'm pretty sure that when LeBron James found out that Kawhi Leonard was going to the Clippers, whoever he was with at the time, he looked at them and went, wow, okay, all right, okay. He felt slighted. And, and there's a chance, I guess, that Kawhi Leonard texted him saying, hey, I'm not going to be playing with you. But there's no way. I just don't think Kawhi Leonard would do that. There's no, you don't say like, hey, you know, I'm not going to date you after all. You know, it's just, that's a weird thing to say. Nobody's that direct of a communicator, especially not Kawhi Leonard. I don't get the sense he's a big verbal, you know, communication type of guy. So in my proposed scenario, where the Lakers and the Clippers are playing against each other, in the Western Conference Finals, contending for a championship. In that scenario, LeBron James never plays harder in his life. He feels slighted. He's angry Kawhi didn't join him. And it's the battle for his town. It's his turf. It's where he resides now. The battle for LA is going to be a dogfight. Whenever that game comes, whenever that series comes, if we get it in the playoffs, it's going to be a dogfight. And, and I, let me tell you, even at LeBron James's age, you do not want to take him head on and take the full force of the anger and the emotion and the effort of LeBron James. I just This is what I can't get over, this sentence next. If Kawhi Leonard had wanted to win championships, he should have joined the Lakers. I just don't, how else can you look at it? I don't think there's any other way to look at it. And if he'd wanted to be a shining star, if he'd wanted to be the face of a franchise, the guy, the man, the myth, the legend, Kawhi Leonard, you know what he should have done? He should have stayed in Toronto. His final three options came down to this. His final three options of teams he was going to choose between appear to be the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Toronto Raptors. He could have been a star in Toronto, the man. Kawhi let billboards, the city loves you, probably a better shoe deal. He would have been a legend in Toronto. So would have been a star in Toronto, could have won championships in LA, could have teamed up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins. And man, they would have had a really fantastic, would have had a super team. That, just honest. The Lakers would have had a super team if Kawhi had chosen the Lakers. Now with the, the Clippers, the LA Clippers, he might not have either option. He's not going to be the biggest star in his own city. 
He's going to be overshadowed by LeBron. And he's not going to win a championship. Maybe, maybe he thinks he will. But he would have had a much better chance at winning a championship with LeBron. The Lakers are great. The Blazers are good. The Warriors are going to be around for a long time still. They got D'Angelo Russell. Klay Thompson's going to be back at some point. So the chances of him winning a championship with the Clippers, Kawhi, are pretty low. He's also going to be overshadowed by LeBron. He's not the biggest star in his own town. And he didn't really get either benefit. He didn't become the star. He's not going to win championships, multiple. I'll tell you, Kawhi's quiet. LeBron is charismatic. LeBron's going to get all the attention in LA. I just don't understand. When you choose to be in Los Angeles, you're choosing to be overshadowed by LeBron. I really think that Kawhi Leonard chose the very worst option of all the options he had. He chose the worst one. Now, I will acknowledge two things. I will concede these two things. One, as a basketball fan, I am so, so excited that Kawhi Leonard chose the Clippers. I'm very happy about that. We're going to have some fantastic, oh my gosh, fantastic, dramatic, really good basketball games down the road between the Clippers, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Blazers, the Clippers, and the Warriors. Having them be interesting and adding another team to the mix just excites me. That's awesome, right? I love that. I love the Clippers are now interesting and highly competitive. And I will also admit this. The Clippers roster is not bad. I like it. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams. I'm glad they still have Landry Shamet. They have a good coach. I like Doc Rivers. I'm going to call him Doc Harris. It's the state of my area. Doc Rivers is a great coach. I like him. I like his personality. I think he can win. I, I really... I think the Clippers are in a great position, and I'm really happy for their franchise. But I do go back to it. I don't think Paul. Jo- I don't think Kawhi Leonard chose his best option. Now, one final thought. Another thing people are saying. You know, the Clippers traded for Paul George, and the Clippers. You know, people are saying the Clippers gave up way too much to get Paul George, and I just don't think that's true at all. The Clippers got Paul George, a six-time All-Star, a guy who averaged 28 points per game last season. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. This is what the Clippers gave up for Paul George. The Clippers gave up Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> I hope I said that name right. I don't actually know him very well. Just look at his stats. He's, he's solid. Looks like a solid starter, plays a lot of minutes. He averaged 19 points per game last year with the Clippers. Um... He's a solid starter slash role player, depending on who, what team he plays on. Now, the Clippers also just traded away Shy <laughs> Gilgius Alexander. He's a baby. He's a rookie. He averaged 10 points per game last year. He was a rookie last year. He'll enter his second year this year. So the Clippers traded for Paul George and gave the Oklahoma City Thunder Danilo Gallinari, a guy who was a rookie last year, and then five first-round draft picks. Honestly, I look at that and feel like, really, the Clippers gave up almost nothing. I just, you know, the thing that's going to be most missed is Danilo Gallinari, who would have been a great, I'm sorry if I'm saying that name wrong, he would have been a good role player on the Clippers next year. He would have added some value and some good minutes. But everything else that the Clippers gave up, the Clippers gave up five first-round draft picks and a young player, a bunch of potential. The Oklahoma City Thunder, really all they got for... Paul George was a bunch of potential, a way to rebuild. All the stuff the Clippers gave up for Paul George isn't actually worth that much unless the draft picks pay off, unless the rookie gets better and develops. Draft picks take two 
three, sometimes four years to develop. Remember, they're 18-year-old kids. They're little babies. The draft picks and the young players, they're far more valuable to the Thunder than they would have been to the Clippers because the Clippers are in win-now mode. I really don't think the Clippers gave up that much to get Paul George. Yes, a lot of draft picks that are actually very, like, what are they really worth? You got a star. You're contenders. You have a chance. I don't think they're going to win a championship, but they have a chance far more than they did before. There is no way the Clippers gave up too much to get Paul George. I just don't think it's true. I think people who have that narrative in their head are a bit ridiculous, and I think overvaluing draft picks. Here's what the Clippers did. Maybe they did get maybe they gave up too much. If even if they did, what they get in return is jersey sales, attendance, intrigue. That is all priceless and a chance to contend. There is no chance the LA Clippers gave up too much. So in summary, look, I as an NBA fan, I'm so glad Kawhi joined the Clippers. I think it's awesome. They're a contender now. It's fun. They're interesting. I think you would have been better off choosing the Lakers. I think if you wanted to be a star, you should have chosen the Toronto Raptors. I don't think you got either benefit by choosing the Clippers, but um, it's good for the parity of the NBA. And also, there is no way the Clippers gave up too much to get Paul George. It's just not true. That's not how I see it. The Clippers gave up a lot of potential that could be meaningless if it doesn't pan out. So that is my entire take on the Kawhi Leonard move and the moves the Clippers made to make themselves instant contenders for an NBA championship. Now, um, we're left now with the remnants of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And in my opinion, the Oklahoma City Thunder must trade Russell Westbrook as soon as possible. It needs to happen soon. The Thunder just traded for a bunch of draft picks and a young player. Five first-round draft picks picks plus a young player who was a a, a top pick last year who's entering a second year in the NBA. Those young pieces, some of them aren't even players yet. They do not work with Russell Westbrook. They don't mesh with him. They don't make him better at all. And they really don't help the Thunder win at all anytime soon. And let's be honest about Russell Westbrook. He's losing value. He's like a car with a ton of mileage on it. If someone offers to buy a car with 250,000 miles on it, they offer a good price, like a lot of money, you go, yeah, take that because the car is very quickly decreasing in value. Russell Westbrook is 30 years old. And also, by the way, he's the only star on his team. And we've seen this before. We've seen Russell Westbrook be the only star on his team before. It doesn't work. It take you to the first round of the playoffs and he loses. He won an MVP once out in the first round of the playoffs. He can't win a championship by himself, and he can't win in the playoffs by himself. He can get there. That's it. He he bottoms out. That's his ceiling. Bottom is Who cares? I don't care if that word makes sense. My point is, Russell Westbrook can only go so far by himself. He's by himself right now, and he's depreciating in value. And his style of play concerns me. Russell Westbrook is a scorer. He's all over the basketball court. He's not a great three-point shooter. He's a high-energy guy who moves around a lot. And again, that point, not a great three-point shooter, that matters a lot. Eventually, Russell Westbrook's legs are not going to be what they are today. They're going to decline more and more and more. And without his legs, Russell Westbrook will not be successful. Guys like Ray Allen extended the years of their career 
They had longer careers because they were able to shoot. Ray Allen is a prime example. His legs were not the same at the end of his career, but he could shoot. He kept himself valuable. He had a reason to stay around and could still contribute points to a roster. Eventually, Russell Westbrook is going to hit a wall. And when he loses his legs, he's going to be basically useless. It's not going to be the same. So I really strongly believe the Oklahoma City Thunder should trade away something for him now. Trade him away now while he's still worth something. Get something for him. Do not waste that. I think the Thunder should rebuild and restart. And they're in a great position to do it. I love what they have. They have a bunch of first-round draft picks. They have a young player. And they have a, an asset, Russell Westbrook. If you look at him as an asset, he's still worth something. You can trade him for something. If you wait two years, he's worth nothing. Two, three years, Russell Westbrook's going to fall off a cliff. I hate to say that. I know the, the fall off a cliff moniker is, is overblown now because some guy on some show said that once. Um, but that's really what I believe is coming in the future for Russell Westbrook. He can't shoot threes, and he, his legs are eventually going to not be the same, and he won't be the same player. So, man, if I were the, the Oklahoma City Thunder, I would try everything I can to sucker a team into a trade for Russell Westbrook. Say, hey, you can get two years of fun, two years of ticket sales and jersey sales. Have Russell Westbrook. Give us some draft picks. And that is what the Thunder should do. They should use Russell Westbrook as a negotiating piece and as a trade piece to help their rebuild and just restart everything. That's what I would do if I was the Oklahoma City Thunder right now today. Okay, uh, we have a great show today. I'm very, very excited. The NBA has been insane. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You know, we woke up today, a whole new league. Kevin Durant's in a different place. Kawhi Leonard's in a different place. A bunch of new teams are contenders. Um, And we're going to talk about all of that today. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics. We'll talk about Kemba Walker, Michael Jordan. We're going to talk about college football a lot. I have a lot of college football stuff and stuff about, you know, recruiting. What I think high school kids need to hear before they leave for college. A lot of stuff behind the scenes and weird, interesting stuff. And if you love love football and storylines, you're really going to love what I have coming up uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, we also have a story about Eli Manning that I'm very, very excited for. You know, I, I read a quote the other day, and I was like, man, that it helped me in life. It just spoke to me. I was like, oh, wow, that is really, really great. I'm going to drink some water, and then we're going to move into, I think, the Eli, yes, the Eli Manning topic is next. <clears throat> All right. Um, huh. Got to relax. I feel like I'm so... I'm like amped. I'm ready to punch something or something. I don't know. Um, let's talk about Eli Manning. Eli Manning is the New York Giants quarterback. He's been in the NFL for 15 years. He's 38 years old. If you don't know who he is, he's, he's been around a long time. He's won two Super Bowls. He's somewhat of a legendary quarterback, especially in New York. But Eli Manning's career is coming to an end. Whether it's sooner or later, eventually it's going to end. The run is going to end. And in the most recent NFL draft, the New York Giants drafted Daniel Jones, number six overall, to eventually replace Eli Manning. That is the long-term plan of the New York Giants. And uh, Eli Manning talked about that in an interview the other day with NFL NFL Network. And the first thing Eli said was that he doesn't feel like he's in a competition. And I think that's fair. I mean, Eli is an established veteran quarterback. And he does. I have no doubt Eli Manning knows stuff. In fact, I've seen it on film. 
Eli Manning is a savvy veteran. He knows stuff that Daniel Jones simply doesn't know about the league, about preparation, about what to do in certain situations. There are things Eli Manning doesn't, Eli Manning knows that Daniel Jones is not prepared to deal with. So right now, Eli Manning is, I, I think, understandably and should be the Giants quarterback week one of the NFL. But the next part of the quote from Eli Manning is what I really, really love. Forget the competition part. A lot of people were like, what? Eli doesn't think he's in a competition? That's not the story here to me. There's a whole bunch of quote after that that I want to focus on. Um, here's the part I love. Look, I know that a lot of high school football players listen to Strong Opinion Sports and watch this podcast. Watch, listen, however you digest the show. Um, ingest, digest, I don't know. I don't care. You, you view and watch. You listen. And I want people to hear what I'm about to read. It's a quote from Eli Manning. And just pay attention to Eli Manning's attitude. It's marvelous. It's beautiful. I just love it so much. I think it, it's, it's very incredibly healthy. And it's exactly what you want from a leader of your football team. This is what Eli Manning said. He said, I feel like I've got to do my job. And I've got to compete every day and try to get better every day. That's the way it's been my whole life. And that's just the way I've always approached practice every day to improve, to earn my place in the team, to earn the respect of my teammates, and to do it each year. I've always been good with young quarterbacks, whoever's in there, trying to get them up to speed, teaching them about defenses or styles or what our, our defense plays. So I'm doing the same thing with Daniel. I'm going to be a good teammate. I'm going to do the best I can and help everybody on the Giants be successful. Again, I'm going to do the best I can to help everybody on the Giants be successful. I love that. I love that. I'm going to use that in my own life. Eli Manning, that's awesome. And unlike Eli Manning, I am entering a situation this fall where I am going to be in a quarterback battle. I play college football, um, and, and I acknowledge I'm starting the race from the front. I get first-team reps. Um, starting the fall, and that's basically meaningless. If anyone on my team listens to that, means nothing. Doesn't who cares? It's an open competition. I have to win the job. I have to do the work and and be ready to go. The job's wide open. If I want to be the starting quarterback, I have to earn my spot, and I really got to focus on being the very best I can be. And the minute you start worrying about the other guy, you lose. That's the message I want to send to anybody in high school watching this. And really, it doesn't matter what position you're in. The minute you focus on the other guy in a competition, you lose. It just you got to worry about yourself being the very best you can be. Having a great attitude, having a great work ethic, giving great effort, being calm, being comfortable in the moment. I love what Eli said about, he, he said, I want to earn my place every day. I want to get better every day. And then that last part, he says, I want to do the best I can do to help everybody on the Giants be successful. That's the leader I want on my football team. That's fantastic. I find that incredibly inspiring. I, I really do. Um, you know, you're there to help your teammates and you're there to help your team win games. It's less about you and more about everybody on your team being successful. I, I think that's just a, a marvelous attitude that I love. I, I really do. Um, you know, go serve, go help, go do the very best you can do. Again, I, I just reiterate, the minute you're in a competition and all your focus is on the other guy, you lose. It, it just, you just can't. You got to worry about yourself. Think bigger. Worry about being the best you can be. Compete with yourself. Whatever mistakes you made yesterday, 
Learn from them, fix them today. Don't worry about his mistakes. Don't worry about his success. Worry about what you do and being the very best you can do and then helping the people around you, being a good guy, being a good teammate. That's what I loved about this quote from Eli Manning. Um, I just thought it was awesome. It's, it's an example of great leadership and an example of how to, I think, respond in a moment where you have another guy trying to take your position or competing for the same job as you. Um, it's just that's, that's fantastic and beautiful. And, and I really love this Eli Manning quote. I just it helped me a lot as a person. And it, I think it really helped me um, in my, my upcoming quarterback competition. I was like, oh, that makes total sense. Try to get better every day. Worry about yourself. Don't worry about that guy. And then try to help your teammates. Try to help your team be ready and prepared to win games. Okay, uh, I'm going to take a short break. And then when I get back from break, I'm going to talk about NBA free agency. We have a lot. We have so much to talk about. Kevin Durant, the Celtics, a lot of stuff. But before I go to break, um, once an episode, I do a topic called, if you're struggling, please get help. I usually put it at the end of the show, but I want to make a change today. Um, I don't want to just bury it at the end. I realized like, no, this is a message that's very meaningful to me. I want to put it at a point where people will actually hear it. Um, and so I want to do it right now. So I, I just encourage everybody, if you're struggling, go get help. Please go get help. And there's more to it than that. Um, in 2016, my younger brother took his life. He committed suicide. And there are two aspects of it that I, I just that sit with me forever and that I, I want to share that I think are very important. Um, one is that you know my brother never asked for help. And I never did a good job asking if he needed help. There's two sides to it. If you're struggling, go get help. But if you're, if you're okay, you can still ask your friends. Just make sure that your friends know they're loved and that they're cared for. And the people you love in your life know that you're there for them if they need it. Um, before my brother died, I would hang out with him every single week. Uh, we had a, once a week, we had a scheduled plan where I drove to his house. I took my Xbox and a big Tupperware container. I'd pull it out, we'd, we'd link it all up, and we would play co-op Halo. But Halo, we were playing through Halo uh, 2 at the time when he died. And uh, there are two failures, I think, and, and maybe not failures is the right word, but two moments to learn from here. Again, is that one is on my part. I never did a good enough job saying, hey, Zane, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Are you struggling? Is life good? I, never I just never asked, how are you actually doing? And I never made it clear the door was open that if he was struggling— I was there for him. So I encourage anyone in your life, you know, please make sure the people in your life know that you love them, that you're there for them if they're struggling. And the next thing, you know, my brother never told anybody he was having a hard time. He, he suffered in silence. And so I, I really encourage anyone, if you're having a hard time, please seek professional help. Um, I have to read the suicide hotline. That's what they require from you uh, when you do this kind of stuff. But the suicide hotline is one 800 273 8255. It's also a great logic song. 1 800 273 8255. But I don't just read that, you know, to make people, oh, I feel good. You're talking about. No, I really genuinely believe if you're having a hard time, I, I'm begging you, take a moment and step out of your comfort zone. I know it's uncomfortable to ask for help, but I, I, I really encourage you, if you're having a hard time, please talk to somebody, go get help. Do not suffer in silence. And then make sure that your friends, if, if man, make sure your friends know that you love them. And you're there for them if they're having a hard time. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about NBA free agency. We'll talk about Kemba Walker and Kevin Durant. And then later in the show, we will talk about some college football stuff. Um, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Kevin Durant is up next. I will be right back. 
All right, we are back. Um, I want to hint at something. I'm going to bury it at the end of the show. Um, at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about something that will not be on a breakout on YouTube. It's going to only be included on the full episode of the podcast. It'll be on the on YouTube. Don't worry. Whatever version you're listening to, if you're listening to the full version, you're in the right spot. It'll be on the full version on YouTube, on Spotify, and iTunes, but I'm not going to do a breakout of it. It's going to be a, a, an exclusive thing. I don't know. It's for only people that really care about like certain stuff and really are the, the deepest of the deepest fans. I'm going to hide that at the end of the show uh, for people who are most interested. Okay. Um, I want to now shift gears to, <laughs> wow. You know, I say that a lot, shift gears. Apparently that's like a bad thing now. Um, apparently you can't say shift gears. Is that a, I, I don't know. I don't want to go there. I don't want to say anymore, <laughs> but apparently you can't say shift gears. It's some kind of bad thing. I shouldn't make fun of it anymore. I'll probably get in trouble for what I already said. Um, <laughs> oh, it's, it's weird to laugh by yourself. Like who, who makes themselves laugh? I, I do apparently. Um, God, I hope the show is going well. I feel like I'm a, like a lispy mess. I'm in a hurry. I don't know. Um, so Kevin Durant left the Golden State Warriors and he chose to go to the Brooklyn Nets in free agency. So did Kyrie Irving. They went to Brooklyn, New York. Very, you got to know that New York. If you're not in America, you may not know that they went to New York city to play basketball. Kyrie signed a four year deal worth $142 million. Kevin Durant signed a four-year deal worth $164 million. And uh, look, I, I, first of all, I am so, so happy for the Brooklyn Nets. It's just awesome for them. Um, by the way, Nets and Knicks are far too similar. Like, they both have an N sound at the beginning. I hate that. I'm glad that they're at least not both New York Net, Nets, New York Knicks. Glad they at least have a different big name at the beginning. Um, but right now, the, the Brooklyn Nets are sitting pretty. They're in a great position. Uh, there's all-time excitement. They really are... You know, it's hard for them because they're in the same market as the New York Knicks. And the New York Knicks, I think, sell out games even when they're terrible. Like, people just love that franchise. But um, it's really good for them because this they have something now with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming in to grab people's attention. It's good for them, and it's really great for their franchise. However, and you probably knew this was coming, um, I do not have much confidence in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and the fact, I just don't think they're going to enjoy their stay in New York as much as they might think. I'm really actually very hesitant. So part of this comes from, over the years, there's been a lot of smoke with Kevin Durant. And I don't know what all is true. I will actually read you guys the rumors I've heard. But what I do know is that when there's smoke, there's usually fire. Everything I'm about to say might not all be true, but I'm sure some of it's true. And if, there, if none of it's true, there's something going on with Kevin Durant, right? We, we don't know. We only have speculation and rumors and reports. And who do you trust? His team, former teammates, yada, yada. But there's enough noise around Kevin Durant, and there has been for years. Clearly, there's something going on behind the scenes with Kevin Durant. And I think the, the root of it is that Kevin Durant, I believe, is highly insecure. So here's what we've all heard. We've heard that, you know, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, we saw it live. They had a, an argument. There's video of it. They had a, an argument very publicly at a basketball game earlier last year. And there are reports that Kevin Durant never got over it. He always was bothered by that altercation and incident he had with Draymond Green. Now, other people say that Kevin Durant was not a huge fan of the Warriors coach, Steve Kerr. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, Kevin Durant really fought that. He didn't like when people said that about him. 
and that if anything's false, it's probably that one because I, I think Steve Kerr is an amazing coach. I would love to play for him. Um, but look, there, that's still a rumor that's been out there, and we, and we go, what the heck? That's weird. And then there's the narrative coming from people like Kendrick Perkins that are saying that Kevin Durant felt unappreciated by the Golden State Warriors. And we all would point back to there's a moment earlier in the Warriors history with Kevin Durant where uh, the president of basketball operations once made a joke. Um, I think Bob, I don't remember, like Bob Curry. I don't want, I don't remember the guy's name. I forgot to write it down in my notes. It doesn't matter. The point is the president of basketball operations for the Golden State Warriors made a joke saying that basically Steph Curry is more valuable to the Warriors than Kevin Durant um, because, you know, Steph Curry jokingly, and this is very jokingly, said that he'd earned a contract extension and Kevin Durant had not. Like, clearly it's a joke because that statement's absurd. Kevin Durant was very valuable to the Golden State Warriors. But the joke is idiotic. If you're an NBA executive, leave jokes to stand-up comics. You're not a comedian. Don't make jokes, especially not about Kevin Durant, a guy who we know supposedly is bothered by a lot of stuff. He can't take a joke very well. So that, that joke was dumb, but Kevin Durant is very, very sensitive. That's what it seems like to me. Point is, time and time again with reports and rumors, again, Kevin Durant seems overly sensitive. Whether it's examples of him snapping back at Peaceable on social media, it just over and over again, Kevin Durant does not like to take a joke, doesn't like to take anything from people. He doesn't like being criticized. Kevin Durant is overly sensitive. And, and look, the Warriors are very kind. But, you know, I know I'm rambling now, but the Warriors are very kind to Kevin Durant. I think there, were, there was a quote last year where their players were speaking about Kevin Durant, and they spoke about him with reverence. They said he's the best player on our team. I, I believe it was Steph Curry. It was Steph Curry, Andre Iguodala. One of them said, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. That is the ultimate, like, wow. They really respect Kevin Durant, and they did a lot to kiss his butt and be really nice to him. And if it's true that he felt underappreciated by the Warriors after all that, he's got some serious issues and I think a lot of insecurity problems. So my opinion on Kevin Durant is he's insecure because where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe what all I said was not true, but some of that's either true or that's enough reporting to go, yeah, something's going on with Kevin Durant. I think he's insecure. Now, not only is Kevin Durant insecure, Kyrie Irving has had reported incidents over the course of his career. First, he ha- he's had a lot of drama. He didn't get along with LeBron. He didn't like being second fiddle to LeBron James in Cleveland. That's a reported thing. And he demanded a trade. He got out of Boston or got out of <laughs> he got out. He did leave Boston. But Kyrie Irving got out of Cleveland to get away from LeBron. Hmm. That's kind of weird. And then in Boston, Kyrie did not seem to get along with his head coach, Brad Stevens. And that's weird. Brad Stevens, I think, is the most Genius NBA coach strategically. And Kyrie Irving reportedly didn't get along with him and didn't like what he was doing. That's weird to me. So where all this doom and gloom is going, the point is that my opinion is that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I've said this many times throughout this, this topic, they're two insecure human beings. And you're telling me you're going to pair them up and then put them together in the New York market. Mm. Again, signing those two superstars was great for the Nets, right? The Brooklyn Nets are winning. I, uh, I really am concerned about how it's going to go for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. 
there are two groups of fans in the sports world that have the highest percentage of irrational people. Irrational anger, irrational emotion. Just look at my YouTube comments. Where do all the crazy, weird, like a guy will comment the same thing 30 times on a video. It's always either New York or Dallas Cowboy fans. Dallas Cowboy fans and New York sports fans in general have the highest percentage of angry, irrational people. I'm not saying they all are, but of the, the, the bottom percentage is higher than like people in Toronto or people in Portland or people. Every group of people has people that are irrational and angry. But I've noticed over the years, I've done this show a while, <laughs> is that people in New York and Dallas Cowboy fans are the, have the highest percentage of irrational, angry people leaving angry comments and saying mean stuff. New York fans will eat you alive. And I do not think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can handle it. If you're going to deal with those people, Cowboy fans or New York sports fans, you got to have thick skin. Now, personally, I love it. Hey, New York, bring it on. I think it's fun. I think you know, one of my dream jobs, I would love to work in New York. I think it'd be fun. I think they would hate me and I would just embrace. I, I just, ugh. it would be so fun to be hated in New York. Uh, I mean, they would, they would hate me, but some of them would like me. I think, you know, the, the rational people at the top would enjoy it. And the people who are angry about stuff would just be angry and I'd get lots of ratings. It'd be fun. But again, I go back to, I don't think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can handle it, especially because this is coming up next. Kevin Durant is hurt. He's going to be out for an entire year. And in January, irrational New York fans are going to start saying things like, Where's Kevin Durant? He should be playing. We're spending all this money. We paid all this money for this bum who's not able to play. Which, that's ridiculous, but people are going to say that. I guarantee. And it's going to bother Kevin Durant. Because Kevin Durant's recovering from an Achilles injury. He might never be the same again, and he's not going to be the same for quite a while. So even when Kevin Durant does come back, and he's not 100%, it's still going to bother people in New York. And I don't think New York fans will ever... Be happy with Kevin Durant. I just don't, I, I don't see it. I think they're, they're an angry group of people for the most part. No offense, but, you know, they're skeptical. And Kevin Durant is not going to be who he once was. And they're going to feel like they paid a lot of money for a guy who's not playing and not himself when he's not 100% and he comes back. Plus, here's another piece of drama coming up ahead for the Brooklyn Nets. By the time Kevin Durant does finally come back, Kyrie Irving's going to have been playing all year, if not an entire year, without Kevin Durant. It's going to become Kyrie's team. The Brooklyn Nets are going to be Kyrie's team, and then you're going to add Kevin Durant to it? I, I, that's a power struggle waiting to happen. I don't feel good about that at all. Look, I know they, they chose to join the same team, but, man, I know Kevin Durant doesn't like what the media says about him, and I, I know Kyrie had problems with LeBron, because he didn't like being second fiddle. So there, there's drama coming. I, I really am certain of it with the New York Knicks. They're going to be fun, right? They traded away D'Angelo Russell. But the Nets have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, and they're going to win some games. But it's going to be really, really messy. And that's great for me. I love it. I get fun storylines and drama. I guarantee that's what's coming for the Brooklyn Nets is drama all over the place. But... While that might be good for me and it might be good for you as sports fans, I, I don't think it's good for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And by the way, I, I know I, I said some stuff about New York sports fans 
because I, look, you guys, you love being angry. You love leaving mean comments. I've had my fair share of them from you, but I, I do. I hope we can be friends. I, I, New York sports fans. I love you guys. I love your passion. I love your anger. I love how much you love your team. I love how much you hate your team sometimes. Um, so I just, I want to close off this topic with a friendly message to New York sports fans. If I offended you in this video, I I'm sorry. I do. I do really respect how much you love your teams and I enjoy, um, the back and forth I have with you guys. It's, it's just been a fun run of the show. Um, but yeah, your, your bottom half of people who are irrational and angry, it's higher than almost any other sports collective in the sports world. Um, not a bad thing. I think it's fun, but just be aware that that is part of the, uh, the stereotype of New York sports fans. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I just made so many people mad. I made so many people hate me just now. I'm like, I like Zach Schaumler ruins his career, like 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't even care. Um, here is the move. I love the most in NBA free agency. Kemba Walker joined the Boston Celtics. He's now going to replace Kyrie Irving as the point guard of the Celtics. They lost a star point guard, Kyrie Irving. He's now gone. And they brought in Kemba Walker, a new star point guard of the Boston Celtics. And I, oh, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, to me, this is a match made in heaven. It's fantastic. Um, now, Kemba Walker has been in the NBA for eight seasons. He's an all-star. He's a really fantastic player. Um, and in the eight years he's been in the NBA, he's had two winning seasons. He's made the playoffs twice. Both times he was knocked out of the playoffs in the first round by the Miami Heat. And, and Kemba Walker never had much help with his old team in Charlotte. He's hungry. He wants to win. He won games in college. And then he hasn't won very much for years in the NBA. So Kemba Walker wants to win. And he's paired with Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens had issues with Kyrie Irving towards the end where Kyrie Irving didn't want to follow his plan and Kyrie Irving wanted to do his own thing. Kemba Walker understands, hmm, I've won before. I've had good coaching at UConn in college. And I want to win. I'm going to do whatever Brad Stevens says because he chose to be there. He chose to play for Brad Stevens. I think that Kemba Walker is a perfect fit for the Boston Celtics, for the cohesion He's going to listen to Brad Stevens. He's hungry. He wants to win. He's won before years ago. He wants it again. I, I just love everything about this move. I want you to read a, please don't do it now. If you're driving, do not open Google and do not stop what you're doing. Please keep driving down the freeway. You can do it when you get home or wherever you're going. But at some point, look up an article. It's, it's called, um, it's a Players Tribune article by Kemba Walker. It's called Boston Let's Do This. It's written by Kemba Walker, at least in his voice, probably with the help of a writer. That's how usually those things work. But in the piece, from the perspective of Kemba Walker, him telling his own story, he thanked Charlotte. He said, thank you so much for believing in me. Thank you for letting me be a part of your franchise. Um, thanks for welcoming him. He, expects, he, he talked about how he was sad that he never could get the Charlotte Hornets to the next level as a franchise. But then he said to Boston, Hey, Boston, I want to win. I'm coming to Boston because I want to win games. Fires me up. I just like, oh, yes, Kemba Walker, let's go. He gets it. I think he's smart. I love this move. He's, it's a brilliant move for Kemba Walker. He's coming to Boston to work, to win games, and to enjoy the game and enjoy the journey of winning games. 
And I really strongly believe that he can make it happen. If anybody can, I, I really believe in Kemba Walker. I think it's a great, brilliant move and a guy who's hungry to win games and a storyline I, I cannot wait to watch Kemba Walker with the Boston Celtics next year. Mm, 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 that's awesome. Now, the Celtics lost Al Horford, um, but he's 34. He's getting older anyways. I think that you know it's going to hurt him for at, at first, and then year, in two years, I don't think Al Horford will be the same player at 36, so I think they're okay. Now, the Celtics brought in Enos Cantor to fill his shoes. He's not going to fill the shoes of Al Horford, but he can play pretty comparably. I like play competently. He's an okay player who's a, a solid guy, solid starter, and I think he fills the role of the center that the Celtics need. So this is the Boston Celtics roster right now. Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I'll, I'll throw in Marcus Smart. I know he's not, like an all, he's not a star, but I, I like Marcus Smart and Enos Cantor. That is 100%. That is a roster that Brad Stevens, the Boston Celtics head coach, can win with. I love it. And my hope is that Kemba Walker brings that group together. You know, last year they had Terry Rozier and Kyrie Irving. The last two years they've had that. And Terry Rozier always wanted more playing time because, you know, when Kyrie was hurt, Terry played great. They called him Scary Terry. It was a whole thing. He wanted a chance to be a starter somewhere else. Scary Terry, you know, Terry Rozier was never quite happy. Terry Rozier is gone. Kyrie Irving is gone. Kyrie had drama where he wasn't listening to the coaches. I love it. I think, you know, there's less drama now in Boston, and there's a young superstar, Kemba Walker, coming into their city who wants desperately to win games. He wants to win again because he hasn't won for years. I love that. I think it, I strongly believe that good things are coming down the road for the Boston Celtics. I just I cannot wait to watch them. I love it. Um, I, I want to read you something. Kemba Walker left the Charlotte Hornets to go to the Boston Celtics and uh, Michael Jordan. And yes, the, uh, the reverent Michael Jordan, who is either the best basketball player of all time or the second best basketball player of all time, depending on who you are, that Michael Jordan is also the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. And, uh, you know, Michael Jordan was kind when Kemba Walker left the Charlotte Hornets. Michael Jordan... Here's what Michael Jordan said when Kemba Walker, the star player of the Charlotte Hornets, left their franchise. Take a listen to this. He said, On behalf of the entire Hornets organization, I want to thank Kemba for eight incredible seasons with our franchise. He always represented the Hornets, the NBA, and the city of Charlotte with class, both on the court and in the community. And we are disappointed he is leaving. He's a special player with a tremendous heart and a tireless work ethic. Kemba is truly one of the best ever to play for our team. We wish him and his family all the best in the future. End quote. I love that. I, I love that so, so much. That is how you break up with someone right there. If someone breaks up with you, it really would happen. Kemba Walker basically broke up with Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was kind and mature that mm, that's awesome and you can learn from this i i learned from this by this kind of stuff if someone breaks up with you how do you want to respond what kind of person do you want to be someone breaks up with you do you want to be bitter and angry or do you want to be kind and mature do you remember when lebron james left cleveland and dan gilbert the owner of the cleveland cavaliers wrote this horrible 
angry message. He was bitter. He was angry. Do not be like Dan Gilbert. Do not be like the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Do what Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan was incredibly mature. He thanked Kemba Walker for the years they had. He expressed sadness that the run is over. He appreciated, appreciated what it was for what it was. He I loved what we had. And then said, I wish you well in the future. Man, that's awesome. That is bigger than sports. That right there is, is one-on-one how to handle things when someone breaks up with you. Don't be a bitter jerk. I, I'm dead serious about this. Do not do that. Maturity is saying, I'm grateful for what we had, for what it was. It was good. Well, it lasted. I'm sad it's over. And I wish them the best. That right there was awesome. And that attitude will speak volumes to the next person you date. You, someone breaks up with you, you're going to date other people. I, I think you're probably not going to be single forever. You're going to have to. And, and again, you know, here's the thing. Michael Jordan sent a great message. He's going to have to work with other star players in the future. And because Michael Jordan, first of all, he's Michael Jordan, right? People want to work with Michael Jordan, period, I would think. But because he was gracious and sent such a good message, that's the best thing you can do moving forward because now other star players around the league are going to notice that, oh, when you leave Charlotte, they don't kill you. They don't accost you. They don't burn your jersey. Wow, they're a respectful fan group. They're a respectful group of people. And by the way, North Carolina loves basketball. They do. So I, I would feel, I would look at what Michael Jordan said about Kemba Walker and feel really good about working with Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets in the future. Okay, um, one more story before we take a break. The Golden State Warriors are down, but they are not out. They lost Kevin Durant in free agency. And uh, Clay Thompson is injured. Clay Thompson tore his ACL. He's going to be out for a while. And by the way, first of all, Torn ACLs are not as bad as they once were years ago. You know, with modern medicine, with rehab, with recovery. I hate this analogy, but I think it's true. Is Tearing your ACL, I heard someone say this to me the other day, a guy in sports medicine, he said, tearing your ACL now is far more like getting a flat tire. It's an inconvenience. It sucks to put you out for a while, but you can recover. You can fully recover now from torn ACLs. It's not the way things once were. It's not some devastating career-ending injury. Torn ACLs are just kind of a, you go, oh, well, got to get it going. Got to fix it again. So it will take time. But my point is that at some point, Clay Thompson will be back. So that keep that on the shelf for now. Another thing the Warriors have done recently is they traded for D'Angelo Russell, a point guard and a scoring guard. Remember, in the 2015 NBA draft, he was a number two overall pick by the LA Lakers. And by the way, Look at the luck that D'Angelo Russell has had. These are the three cities <laughs> D'Angelo Russell has played basketball in now. Los Angeles, Brooklyn, New York, and the Bay Area in San Francisco. Are you kidding me? How You couldn't get any luckier of the three cities. If, if you want to be rich in a city, those are maybe the three best cities in America to be wealthy. And that's, I mean, good for him. That's cool. But um, <laughs> actually, you know, personally, if I was really rich, you'd find me in a tiny town like in Mississippi like living off the land just because my money would go so much farther. That's personally what I would do. But man, I'm telling you, I, I've been in LA. I've lived in LA. I lived with rich people, even though I wasn't rich. Rich in LA is like, oh, that's the life. I'm getting off topic. Um, the point is that <laughs> D'Angelo Russell's been in the NBA for four years. And every year he's been steadily improving. 
Last year uh, was his best season. You know, D'Angelo Russell played in all 80, in 81 of the 82 games. I think he sat out a game to rest. Like, that's fine. Uh, he played in 81 games, had a 43% field goal percentage. He shot 36.9% from three-point range, and he averaged 7.8 three-point attempts per game. What that means is he's shooting a lot of three-pointers, making a lot of three-pointers, and I think that fits really well with the Golden State Warriors. And I actually think, you know, this is controversial. It might be a little bit inflammatory, I can admit. But I think in the immediate future, D'Angelo Russell's better for the Golden State Warriors than Kevin Durant would have been. Kevin Durant's going to be out probably all of next season. Uh, He had an Achilles injury. He might never, ever really be the same. And it's possible we've already seen the best years from Kevin Durant. He might never be the same player he once was ever again. Now, D'Angelo Russell's 23 years old. He can shoot threes. He can create his own shot. He can score inside in the paint. And he's still getting better. We have not seen the best years from D'Angelo Russell. Imagine, just imagine what D'Angelo Russell can do with Steph Curry and what he can learn from Steph Curry. The Warriors next year are going to have Steph Curry, Draymond Green and D'Angelo Russell. That that right there already in the new NBA that's formed where every team basically has two stars. They have two and a half, maybe three. Man, the Warriors can win tomorrow in today's new NBA. But another thing you got to remember is that at some point, remember that thing on the shelf? Clay Thompson at some point is going to come back. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So D'Angelo Russell has a four-year contract worth $117 million dollars with the Golden State Warriors. Then Klay Thompson's going to come back. Now, I understand. In the process of getting D'Angelo Russell, the Warriors had to give up Andre Iguodala. No offense to Andre Iguodala. He was getting old. It wasn't, he's not the same player he once was. But my point in all this is to say that the Golden State Warriors are not going away. They're good right now. Today, If they played an NBA season right now, they're good. And then once they get Klay Thompson back, they're even better. Remember, They didn't need Kevin Durant to win an NBA championship. They didn't need Kevin Durant to win 73 games and have the best regular season record ever in the NBA. That was just Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry. Now they also have D'Angelo Russell. I'm telling you guys, the Warriors are not going away anytime soon. Eventually they'll get Klay Thompson back, and they are still. Their path for the Warriors is not as easy as it once was when they had Kevin Durant. I can acknowledge that. But, man, the Warriors are going to be contenders in the NBA for years. They're not going anywhere. They just reloaded. That is what happened to the Golden State Warriors and and the moves they made. I'm really impressed. I can't believe, you know, they got another another star. I think D'Angelo Russell is going to continue to improve. And uh, I am just, uh, whew, the Warriors are still here. They didn't go anywhere. And then they're going to get even better. The Warriors are contenders for years to come. Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers just yet. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the moves they made. I, I want to take more time to determine whether I think they improved or, or really, I think they might've gotten worse. That's my fear. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Real quick. I want to talk about one of the most interest, interesting NBA stories I've talked about in a long time. So again, um, This is one of the most interesting NBA stories I've seen in a while. Nikola Mirotic is leaving the NBA 
to go play professional basketball in Spain. He's 28 years old. He's a solid forward. I like him. And he's had some good buckets for the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, last year in the playoffs, down the stretch in the Eastern Conference Finals, Miritich had some really good buckets for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's at an interesting spot. You know, he's 28 years old. And he's just, he's solid. He was, you know, he played in the NBA for five seasons and reportedly was in the market for a contract around $45 million, like a three-year deal, $45 million total, or, you know, roughly he was going to make reportedly $15 million a year is what was reported that Nikola Miritich was going to make. But instead of taking a contract like that, he's leaving to Spain to go play basketball in Spain, Barcelona. And it it surprised me. I was like, what? That's weird. I, I don't understand. And, you know, I think if you look at it, it makes sense. Now, first of all, I don't think he's going to make as much money. And the euro is actually not is, – is right now the euro, it fluctuates far more than the American dollar does. But right now, you know, he, his money's not going to go farther in Spain. I thought it might. At, right, at, what I can find is his money's actually not going to go as far in Spain as it, was, as it would in America, at least right now based on today's current exchange rate. One dollar uh, U.S. is worth 0.89 euro. So – um, but what he is going to do is in Spain, Nikola Miritich is going to be a big fish in a smaller pond. He's going to his home country. He's going to be rich in Barcelona, Spain. I mean, that's, look up pictures of Barcelona. It's amazing. He's going to play basketball. He's going to be a star. He'll probably get to see his extended family more. And I, I just cannot blame him at all. I really, um, I respect what he's doing. I think it's, it's just, it's different. It caught my attention, but it's actually really cool. Um, you know, the total earnings that Nikola Miritich has made in the NBA add up to over $41 million. I would assume he still has some millions of dollars left over from that. I don't think, I, I would hope he didn't spend it all while he was in, in America. And um, he's just going home. He's going home to play basketball as a, as a wealthy guy going home to the biggest city in his country. I, th- I think Barcelona is, I don't know, but it's very beautiful. And uh, I just, I'm happy for the guy. You know, he's going home and there's something to be said about that. Like, to go home, to be with your family. I just, like, ah, what an what a interesting, cool story. I wanted to share that because I just was like, huh. I never would have thought a guy would leave professional basketball in the NBA to go play professional basketball in Spain when he could have made more money. I was like, wow, that's just a, a different story I wouldn't have expected that I, I, I like. And I'm happy for him and I'm excited for him. And um, I think it's really cool. So now it's also reported he got a six-year deal in Barcelona. So that makes sense. Like he's, you know, I have security for years in my home country makes sense to me. Um, but man, it's, it's a beautiful story. I just, I was like, Oh, that's cool. It's weird. You're interesting, unique. And, and I hope Nikola Miritich finds exactly what he wants by leaving the NBA and going to Spain. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take a short break when I return lots and lots of football guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. Um, I think my favorite couple football stories in a long time are coming up next. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right I missed the camera. All right, we are back. Um, look, I, I love football, and I love fun storylines to follow, and that is exactly what I think University of Houston football is going to be in the next couple of years. So uh, Houston's new head football coach is Dana Holgerson, and uh, he made an unprecedented move, a move I think is really, really cool and fascinating, and I want to examine a little bit. He left a big school, West Virginia, to go to a lower-level school, Houston. And I love the move. I think it's a great move. I'll explain why. But first, I want to explain what that means. You know, West Virginia is a Big 12 school, which means they are in the 
They're a pow- part of a Power Five conference. If you don't know, no problem. I'll explain it very briefly. The Power Five conferences are the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the ACC, and the Pac-12. Teams like University of Washington and Alabama, Clemson, Michigan State, Michigan. Big schools you see regularly in like competition and stuff where you talk. That team might be in the college football playoff. Those are all Power Five schools. It's the top tier of Division I football, and it makes the most amount of money. Now, the other five conferences in Division I football do not make as much money. And they don't really have any chance to make a college football playoff ever anytime soon. So those five conferences are called the Group of Five. There's the Power Five and then the Group of Five. And the Group of Five conferences are the Sun Belt Conference, the MAC or the Mid-American Conference, Conference USA, fourth is the Mountain West, and fifth is the American Athletic Conference. Those are teams like Nevada, Wyoming, Western Michigan, Toledo, teams like Louisiana Lafayette. Those are group of five schools. They're Division I football still, but they're a lower level and a lower tier. And in theory, you would think, man, the dream of a coach is to be a longtime successful head coach at a power five school. That's the dream. And Dana Holgerson did that. He was a, he, for the last eight years, he's been at West Virginia. He had a 61 and 41 record and went to seven bowl games in eight years. That's awesome. That's a, that's really good. Their offense put up a bunch of numbers. He coached a couple NFL quarterbacks, including Will Greer, the guy who was just drafted and joined the Carolina Panthers. Man, Dana Holgerson, he did a good job. He left a secure job at West Virginia. He had a job, a secure job at West Virginia, which is considered, and what he did was considered a bit weird to leave West Virginia, a great job with security, and go to a group of five school like Houston. So leaving West Virginia to Houston, it's weird. But I, I love it. I love what he did. And here's the reasoning behind it. First of all, Dana Holgerson got a pay raise by going to Houston. Houston really wanted him. They said, we're going to pay you more money than your current job is paying you. He got a five-year contract worth $20 million, $4 million a year, which is more a year than he was making at West Virginia. And he's also the highest paid non-Power 5 coach ever in college football history. But here's why I love it. It's not about the money. It's not about the unprecedented move. It's because I think Dana Holgerson's going to win a lot at the University of Houston. I really, really like the move he made. Houston is one of the richest areas of the country for really good, talented football players. And by the way, the other thing you got to remember is that the University of Houston has put their money where their mouth is. They want to win games, and they're spending money to try to win games. They are all in on football. The administration, Dana Holgerson's bosses at the University of Houston want to win. That matters so much. We'll talk about that in the next topic of the show. But they're putting their money where their mouth is. So I, I just, I, I look at what West Virginia had when Dana Holgerson was at West Virginia. He won a lot of games with average talent, with mid-tier recruits. And at Houston, he can absolutely getting mid-tier recruits. If he could win it, if he could do that at West Virginia, he can definitely do it again at the University of Houston. He's also going to be playing against easier competition. At West Virginia, Dana Holgerson played against teams like TCU, Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Now, with the University of Houston, these are the teams that he's going to play next year. SMU, Memphis, Tulsa, Central Florida, East Carolina, 
Now, Central Florida has been historically good recently. But if he could win in the Big 12 with average recruits, then absolutely Dana Holgerson can win with average recruits in the American Athletic Conference. And here's the kicker. I don't think he's going to get average recruits. I really believe that Dana Holgerson is going to be able to get even more talented players than he ever could attract to West Virginia. No offense to Morgantown. No offense to West Virginia. I I think it's a better destination to go to Houston, especially when you can pitch, hey, kid from Houston, want to stay home? Want to be around your family? That's a, a big part of things that people don't realize is that, you know, when you're in college football, you're, you're broke. And I, I was. Right? Like, if I'd gone to Iowa to play football, I live in Portland, Oregon, I wouldn't have been able to fly home for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for the summer or for spring break. Most college football players go away for four years and they're stuck away for four years and they don't get to go home. If you're from Houston and you go to University of Houston, you can see your family, get dinner with them, have them over, you know, go to their house on Thanksgiving. You're home for spring break. You're home for the. You're in your hometown with your family. That goes a long ways, and people don't realize how much of an impact that has on college football players. But I I think that, you know, Houston football has a really cool feel to me. They are primed to win a lot because I think they can dominate the recruiting in Houston. You know, back in the day when Miami football was really in their heyday, and when Miami football was dominant— in college football. They were the you. Like they were killing it. The reason why it worked was because Miami football was dominating recruiting in the city of Miami. I think Houston can do a similar thing. They have a great pitch. Hey, be a star in your hometown. We're spending a lot of money. We're building our program. You're going to win a lot of games. You're going to have fun. You're going to be on the big stage. I really think what University of Houston is doing is, is really smart and really cool. And I just strongly believe something special is brewing right now at the University of Houston. And I cannot wait to watch what happens in the years to come with Dana Holgerson and that football program. I just, oh, University of Houston, keep your eye on them. I think they're going to be fun to watch. (sighs) Okay, from from a, a good story about a great college doing good stuff to a Uh, A college that I I am not impressed with. Um, University of Connecticut, or UConn, uh, just sent a really loud and clear message that they do not care about football. UConn does not care about their football program. UConn's a basketball school, and UConn has been a basketball school forever. We all know that. Everyone knows that. But the other day, they made an announcement that showed their priorities loud and clear. They just said, really, they gave a big middle finger to their football team. UConn is leaving the American Athletic Conference and joining the Big East. And and really, I mean, it's great. It's a great conference. It's so good for their basketball teams. That conference, the Big East, is chock full of really good basketball teams, and it's good good for UConn basketball. They're going to play Marquette, Villanova, Xavier, DePaul, Georgetown, Butler, oh, it's great for all their all their school all their sports programs. It's fantastic. Here's the problem: <laughs> um, the Big East doesn't have football. The Big East does not support football at all. So while moving conferences is great, oh, it's fantastic for their basketball team. UConn football 
is left in the dust. And the message to me is loud and clear. Hmm, yeah, we, we don't care about you. You're, we're, you know, we just, we, sorry, we're, we're committing to, ba- we're here for basketball. Right now, UConn football is now an independent. What that means is that they do not have a conference. Every single year, they're going to have to schedule 12 new games. And you know how hard that is? It's, it's incredibly hard. It's hard for Notre Dame to schedule 12 games. And by the way, Notre Dame is a giant brand, and people want to play Notre Dame. So if you don't understand what that means, if you're in a conference, so if you're in the Pac-12 conference, you schedule two or three non-conference games a year, and then your schedule, the rest of it's taken care of. You're going to play a bunch of Pac-12 schools because that's what you do. Play the, if you're in the Pac-12 North, you play all the Pac-12 North schools and a couple Pac-12 South schools. If you're in the SEC, you play the entire SEC West and then a couple other SEC teams and then like two non-conference games. UConn doesn't have that benefit. They have to scrounge together a schedule every year. And again, it's, it works for Notre Dame because Notre Dame is a historic brand. People want to play against Notre Dame. UConn football isn't a brand. UConn football is, is nothing. Nobody wants to play them. They are a nobody. And, and they got left in the dust. I, I feel really bad for football players at the University of Connecticut. I, I, I do. I feel sad for them. Um, UConn football players, let me tell you, your school doesn't care about you. I, I'm sorry. That's the message they're telling you is we care about basketball. We don't care about you. And the lesson here for high school kids is that you know, if a school is recruiting you, make sure that the administration supports the football team. Of, look, of, of course, the coach wants to win. Every coach coaching says, I'm here. I want to win games. I want to do this and that. But does the coach's boss want to win games? That's the real question. Every coach wants to win games. The coach's boss doesn't always care about winning. Eastern Washington University is an incredibly well-supported football program. From the top to the bottom, they want to win games. They are a prime example in college sports of a, a school that supports their football team. I, I, if I had to pick a favorite college football team, it's Eastern Washington University. I really love what they do. I have friends there. They're a great program, top to bottom. The administration wants to win. Now, in contrast, the school closest to me, Portland State, their football program is poorly funded. They have, a, they have crappy facilities. They play in a stadium. like they, ha- they have a stadium, by the way, like a mile from their campus. Instead, they drive like 25 minutes north to Hillsboro to play at this crappy stadium where high school teams play. They don't care about their program. The coach might want to win, but his boss doesn't care. The administration at Portland State University doesn't care about winning football games. That's one example I've seen in, my, in front of me. We're now seeing another example. UConn football. The administration doesn't care. I, I'm sorry. It's brutal. It's hard. But when you're, if you're a college football, if you're a kid in high school looking to play college football, when you see examples like that, you're like, that's weird. The administration doesn't seem to support the football program. That's very weird. You go, hmm. Okay, and run far away. No matter what, the coach might say he wants to win. Of course, the coach wants to win. If it doesn't seem like his boss wants to win, if it doesn't seem like the school supports the football team, run far away. Don't go to that college. Some schools don't care about winning, and that's that's where I get concerned. Is it like again? Uh, listen to my video about University of Houston. University of Houston is hungry to win. They're putting their money where their mouth is. They are going after it. They're trying to win games. UConn football, 
They don't care. They're not trying to win games. They're, they're just happy to have a program, happy that they exist. And I feel very sad for football players at the University of Connecticut. Okay, uh, the NCAA is making a change so that transferring and becoming immediately eligible is going to be much more difficult. They're saying you can't just transfer and immediately play. That's the move that is reported the NCAA is trying to make. And I really think this is in response to all the transfers at quarterback we saw last year. And we saw Justin Fields leave leave Georgia to go to Ohio State and became immediately eligible. And we saw Tate Martell leave Ohio State, go to Miami, immediately eligible. And I'm sure somebody complains. Somebody like, oh, that's not fair. I'm sure it's, there's rumblings from somewhere somebody was bothered by. It. I personally don't care. But what we're learning is if a change is made, then high school athletes are going to have to start making better decisions with, with school they choose. You know, the NCAA, I don't really care why people were made immediately eligible. Some people have extenuating circumstances. Some people have legitimate reasons. The point is the NCAA doesn't like it anymore. They're saying we don't want that to continue. We don't want Justin Fields to leave Georgia, go to Ohio State, and be the week one starter. We, we don't feel comfortable with that. We don't want that culture endorsed. Better or worse, that's not, that's not me. Don't get mad at me for that. That's what the NCAA is saying they don't like anymore. So I, I'm telling you, if you're a high school kid, especially high school quarterbacks, only one of you guys plays, please make good decisions. If you want to play, choose a school where you have a chance to play. Choose a school where there's a job opening or the coach likes you or the good culture. A lot of kids in high school pick a school because it's, it's the big school. Like, oh, wow. Cal offered me. Cal, what? Oh, my gosh. Cal. Oh. And that's great. And if you want a good education from a Cal, great. But Cal already has a quarterback. If you want a chance to play, go somewhere else. Nevada. Nevada might need a quarterback. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. I don't know. But my point is, be smart with your decision-making. Don't choose a school that doesn't fit your needs. And what we saw last year when Justin Fields, the quarterback, chose Georgia, I was like, what the heck are you doing? Why would you choose that? Georgia has a quarterback, Jake Frum. He's established. He got to the national championship game last year. You're not going to walk in day one and take his job. And oh, lo and behold, Justin Fields left Georgia, went to Ohio State. Don't be Justin Fields. I love Justin. I hope he's successful. I like him. But he made a bad decision choosing Georgia. And if the rule had been in effect earlier that they're trying to put in effect now, Justin Fields' plan wouldn't have worked. So my my point is this. Be very thoughtful. When you're in high school and you're choosing a college, figure out what matters to you. If it's a degree, go to, go to Cal, go to Stanford, go, or maybe you don't care about playing time. You're like, man, I want free college. That's most important to me. Then choose the school with the best sports pro with the best collegiate program, you know, whatever pro you know, engineering or therapy, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, pick a school that's good for you academically and, and put football second. But if you're a guy who really wants to play, you want to be on the field and starting pick a situation that gives you a chance to actually play. Either the quarterback is going to graduate in a year or the, you know, the coach really likes you and believes in you and is really not, it doesn't just selling you crap. Or maybe the team, you want to win games and you should go to a school that regularly wins or that has an administration that's trying to win. My point is, if you're a high school kid, please choose a college that fits your needs and fits your desires. Don't go to a school that doesn't give you the things you actually want. Sit down, write it on a notepad, figure out what really, like in what order things are most important for you and pick a school that meets your needs. Because too many people 
seem to pick a college, get beat out. They're shocked they got beat out by the quarterback who's already been there for two years. And they're like, what? I can't believe it. You chose the school and you're an idiot. You shouldn't have gone to that school because you wanted to play. You should have gone to a different school if you wanted to play. That's my point. I'm rambling now. But please, if you're in high school, figure out what your desires and needs are and go to a school that meets them. That's all I'm asking. Please learn from this. This rule is going to change a lot down the road for high school kids, and they're not going to be able to transfer as easily. So you'd better make a good decision out of high school where you choose. Oh, man. Um, I saw a really sad story earlier this week. Uh, Miami Dolphins defensive tackle Kendrick Norton got into a car accident in Florida on Thursday night. Uh, His car was cut off. It rolled over. He had serious injuries. He is expected to live. Um, But... Kendrick Norton, at the scene of the accident, had his left arm, left arm amputated. And it, it's very sad. Like, his career is, his football career is over. And that, that's sad to me. And, and really, you know, Kendrick, if you're out there, I would, I would love to interview you a year from now. A year from now, two years from now. At some point, Kendrick, I would love to talk to you and hear your story and interview you about just, I, I, you have an interesting story. But um, this story hit my heart really hard. I went, oof. And it made me reflect on the things, you know, this guy's career in an instant was over playing uh, call, playing in the NFL. Your football career is done. And it made me, you know, reflect on how quickly things can change. And I was like, oh, man, you know, you better enjoy what you have. I, I love my life right now. I love my – my family's amazing. Um, I love my show. My YouTube audience is fan. You guys are great. Um, I play college football. I'm dating my dream girl. Like, literally – Every aspect of my life right now is just working out so well. Um, and, you know, this story, you know, Kendrick Norton had his arm amputated. I, I just went, wow. In an instant, it was all gone. And so I, it just made me you know, want to share, like, please enjoy the ride. Enjoy the moments you're in. Enjoy the things you have right now because you never know. You, just, you never know when things could change in an instant. And uh, make the most of what you have while you have it because I, I just – that story of Kendrick Norton broke my heart. Uh, that's where my mind went when I saw that. Okay, uh, we have a few things left. First of all is this. Uh, very briefly, Coco Goff is a 15-year-old pro tennis player. And the other day, uh, she beat her idol. She's 15 years old. She beat her idol, Venus Williams, at Wimbledon. And uh, that's, that's just pretty unreal. I mean, like, I love Tom Brady. He's my idol. It's like me joining the Miami Dolphins tomorrow and then beating Tom Brady next year in the, in the NFL like that. And not even, it's not even that because I play quarterback. We're never even on the field at the same time. I just can't imagine. It's unfathomable to beat your idol in sport. Like just, man, Coco Goff. Um, I, I thought that was so cool, what, what her story. Beating her idol on the tennis court. Like that's just at Wimbledon, by the way, at 15. That's all I have to say about it was just go, dang, <laughs> I'm, that's really cool. I'm going to get out of the way of it now and just let it be really cool. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Gerald McCoy, uh, a, a story about him and about diet. We're going to talk about um, my upload schedule, and then we're going to talk about that one final nugget I promised I would say for the end of the show. So let's talk about Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy is a defensive tackle for the Carolina Panthers. He's 31 years old. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, and he went vegan. <laughs> Apparently around the Super Bowl, the day after the Super Bowl, he just cold turkey was suddenly vegan. Uh, the other day, my dad sent me a podcast called Marty Smith's America. Uh, by the way, I like Marty Smith. He seems like a really – I don't know him, never met him or anything like that, but seems like a genuine dude. Uh, really, really cool attitude. Uh, but he was interviewing Gerald McCoy, and Gerald McCoy um, explained how he's gone vegan and talked about how he considered retiring because of 
joint pain and inflammation and his body hurt a lot. And he's like, man, you know, if I want to play with my kids someday, football might not be the best thing for me because my body hurts really, really bad. And then he went vegan. And uh, since then, since then, you know, his inflammation has gone down. His body feels the best it's felt in years. Um, and his body's testing the way it did four years ago. Like, you know, it, it's physical, you know, when they test you about your speed and agility, all this stuff, his body's testing the way it did four years ago. And that's just really, really cool. So um, the storyline I want to follow next year with Gerald McCoy is how good does he do? Does he stay? Is he going to play better than he has in a couple of years? We'll, I'll do a film analysis of him probably mid-season. So like, how is Gerald McCoy doing? Is he better or more explosive than he was last year? Is he playing better? What do the stats say? I don't know, but I'm, I'm really curious. How does Gerald McCoy do and does his diet really help him that much? Um, now, I also want to acknowledge that, you know, in my own life, um, I made some dietary changes recently and it really helped me. Uh, and this is, sounds like an ad. <laughs> I really did sound like I was going to go into an ad. I, I, not at all. Uh, about a month and a half ago, I started eating completely uh, gluten-free and dairy-free. Uh, dairy-free because I'm lactose intolerant um, and it help, it's bad for my throat. Apparently, I can't talk when, I'm on, I eat, when I eat dairy. It like, closes up my throat really badly. Um, and then gluten-free because my girlfriend it has celiac disease. Um, and I, I feel amazing, like the best I've felt in years. I didn't realize I ever had joint pain until I didn't have joint pain. And I was like, what? I, I just was like, oh, I feel great. And I feel leaner. I'm faster. I'm stronger. I just like every – I'm just – I really feel great. Um, and you know, part of that's because I'm lactose intolerant. Of course, you want to get away from dairy, right? No butter, no milk, no cheese. Almond butter is apparently is amazing. Um, but I'm breathing better. I have no joint pain. It's, it's just really, really great. And uh, I guess you know, what you put into your body really, really matters. And so I know that a lot of athletes listen to this. Take your diet seriously. Like your diet, what you put into your body has a huge impact. I think we're going to see Gerald McCoy play really well. And even if he doesn't, I'll tell you, I feel great. And just feeling good enough, feeling great is one thing. It just is like, that is enough to me. Um, so if, if you're an athlete out there, pay attention to what you're putting in your body. Pay attention to the things you eat because it does, apparently, like in my it's made a huge difference and I feel amazing. So um, I just, I saw this little story. I was like, I can say something briefly about that. Okay, uh, I get a lot of messages from people asking when my next episode is going to be. They say, Zach, what's your upload schedule? What's this? What's that? Bah, when are you doing this and stuff? And I, you know, this topic is to answer that question of like, Zach, when is your upload schedule? Um, let me tell you, I don't have an upload schedule. I, I don't at all. Um, you know, I, a lot of people try to upload like every, some people upload every Tuesday. Some people upload every Friday. I, I upload, I don't have that at all. I, I don't even make that a goal of mine. Um, you know, I try to upload once a week. I would like to do more than once a week, but I don't commit to that at all. Cause I just make it. And when I have, what I have is done when, when, what I'm working on is completed and ready to go. I release it and I make a video and I make a podcast. Um, my focus right now is on quality. Like that is the most important thing I do. Um, and I want to make the very best podcast and very best product I can. Uh, so there's no schedule when it's ready, it's done. And I put it out. Um, you know, I write all day, all the time. Like I literally no joke. I have a have a notebook with me it folded over in the back of my pants all day constantly people think i'm a weird I, I guess i am a pretty weird dude but i'm like literally always writing about sports that's what i do um and, and i i love making podcasts if i could i would make three podcasts a day it's my favorite thing um and <laughs> you know i joke i looked into cocaine but my dad says it's a bad idea you know they just like i don't there's not enough it's just i i given it all i got and so you know 
the way things currently work, my schedule of my show is that when the show is ready, I put it out. I, I work on it. And when I feel good about what I have, I release the podcast. And my goal above everything else is to make quality content. That right there, quality content is my number one aim and my number one goal with Strong Opinion Sports. Okay, uh, the next episode is going to be have it will include a Kirk Cousins film analysis. We're also going to talk about the 76ers. Um, you know, are they better or worse? I don't know. And I'll do the work and figure out what I think, whether the 76ers actually improved or not. Uh, we have one more topic today. God, I hope uh, no one's listening to this at my house. Because uh, <laughs> I think, I can, again, I'm going to bury it's buried at the end. So only like the people that really pay attention are going to hear it. Uh, last week, I talked about Greedy Williams. Um, how I loved his attitude because he wants to be a Hall of Fame uh, defensive back in the NFL. And some people said that my topic felt hollow because I felt like I was leaving something out. And, and they were totally right. Um, yeah, I didn't share the whole story. I, I love people who dream and aim really high and go for the things they want. You know, that philosophy has really guided my life a lot. Um, I go for the things I really want in life. I try to, uh, you know, my career, I, I, I'm trying for the career I really want. I am playing college football game because that's what I really want. Uh, you know, once I worked on a movie in L.A., I just was like, I'm going to pack up my car. I'm going to go because that sounds fun. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And uh, what I didn't share last week is that um, I'm dating my dream girl. Like, I really, really am, am very happy with my relationship right now. Um, we've been best friends for like six years. And, you know, that's that that topic was inspired by that. Like, oh, I, you know, this cool victory in my life and like this the way I dream and the way I've, I've wanted something for a long time. And uh, to me, it's not the end. It's the beginning of a really fun journey. Um, it's, it's a great relationship. It's a relationship I've wanted to be in for a long, long time. And uh, that frame of mind is where I was coming from with that Greedy Williams topic of, man, I love that this guy is shooting for the moon and, and just going for it. I think that's so cool. And uh, I just, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, it feels like you're leaving something out. I was, and that's what I was leaving out. Because um, I, I try to keep that part of my life more, more private and personal. Um, and I recognize, I just broadcast to like 80,000 people, I know. But um, I, <laughs> uh, I, I just... For those of you that are, are pay close enough attention and notice that, that's what I was leaving out. And I wanted to put that, bury, bury that at the end of the show in case anyone really wanted to know. Now you know. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much uh, for tuning in. I just love and appreciate you guys so much. Um, remember, tell the people in your life you love them. Tell them you care about them. Tell them that you're there for them if they're struggling. And do it. Like It's okay to do that too much. To say, like, hey, look, dude, if you're having a hard time, I'm here. And the guy's like, I'm still fine. I, I wish more than anything, and my brother killed himself you know, three years ago now, I wish more than anything that I had been more open and said, like, Zane, the door is open. I'm here to listen to you and here to help you if you need it. And uh, if you're struggling, please go get help. The, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Look at that. I remember that. I don't, it's not on my notes. I remember that off the top of my head. Uh, 1-800-273-8255. God, that had better be the suicide hotline because I don't, I don't have it on my notes. But... Um, yeah, if you're struggling, go get help. Please tell someone you're having a hard time and reach out to people in your life who need help. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much. I can't, I'm going to put this out very late tonight or early in the morning, Sunday morning, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. But um, bum bam, we are done. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is my podcast, Strong Opinion Sports, and it is my favorite thing in the entire world. I love it. Uh, it is my dream to do this show, and it's my full-time job. And uh, if you want to help support me, there's a couple things you can do. Number one, help me grow by telling your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Share this on social media, Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, Reddit, I don't care. Screenshot it, put it on your Instagram story. Do me a giant favor, help me grow by telling your friends about the show. That's the number one way you can help me no matter what. Another way you can help me if you want, you can support me on Patreon or PayPal. It's a huge help to me. My PayPal is paypal.me forward slash Zach Schaumler. My Patreon account is patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. If you have no money to give, no problem. I totally understand. I'm a broke college kid myself. I get it. I've been there. Um, But please, I I ask if, if you want to support me, the number one thing you can do to help me is tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much and have a great day.